Hey everybody, this is Justin Michael Williams with Motivation for Black People, giving you trusted guidance to make your life better. And this episode, y'all, if I talk about making your life better at the beginning of each episode, this is one of those episodes that's really going to make your life better. And you already saw the title, so when you clicked on it, I know you were curious. And I have with me on the line the like most important, most special people that I could possibly have on this episode. And I'm going to tell you why. I have been wanting to talk about sexual liberation and using our sexuality for great purposes in our lives, for opening, for self-empowerment on this podcast for a very long time. And I've been searching all over the internet, all over everywhere to make sure that when I finally brought that such an important topic onto this podcast that I was doing it with people who had the highest integrity, who understood the intricacies of our different expressions of gender and sexuality and how it all weaves together with an unapologetically black point of view. And so I have with me the creators of Afrosexology, and I know many of y'all already follow them on Instagram. They're verified on Instagram. And Afrosexology, this movement was birthed from a desire to really create a more, a more sex-positive black community. And so I have on the line with me Delisha and Rafaela, who are the creators of Afrosexology. And they are two black women, pleasure advocates, sex educators, social workers, activists. And they are about to empower us to live our most pleasurable lives. These amazing women and their movement have been featured and interviewed on Huffington Post, Vibe, Teen Vogue, Glamour, Playboy. I mean, really the list goes on and on. And they are what I consider the voice, like the voice for us as it comes to black self-empowerment through sexual liberation. So ladies, thank you for being here with me. I am so grateful. And uh, I I know people are going to really get a lot out of this juicy episode. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you for that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful and warm welcome. Like Aww. I am smiling from like ear to ear. That was so warm. And I was just like, okay, pat myself on the back. We did something. <laughs> you did. You know, and sometimes I think as creatives and people doing things, we get so oftentimes like we work so much, right? That yeah. we forget the impact and the importance every once in a while. But every you know, we need a little reminder here and there. No, so thank you. It's such a, a pleasure and joy to be joining you for this conversation today. Thank you. So, Rafaela, I want to start here. Why is this work even important, especially when it comes to Black people? Well, you know, one of the biggest things that we have to remember when it comes to the way Black people um, explore our bodies and relationships, it's linked to, unfortunately, a lot of shame, um, which prevents us from really getting out there and being able to do things that other bodies of people have been able to do. There's so much conversation, like um, maybe if we make a post or if we're having a conversation about certain sexual acts or practices or desires, sometimes people will say, oh, that's a white people thing. Like, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. And then you start to really question who you are as a person. Again, going back into what shame, um, how interwoven shame is into a lot of our experiences. And then you you find yourself not being able to explore your true desires, not being being able to have conversations with family members um, and even your friends because you don't know if they're going to clown you or not. And so then right. you find yourself really hidden and unseen. And so the bigger part of this is really getting out there and having these conversations, um, posing these questions so people can, one, see that this is a normal thing, that they're not the only one, that they're not invisible, that they shouldn't be silenced, and that hopefully there's going to be more communities that form because of these conversations. And then you can really explore yourself um, and these different ways of being whole in your identity without feeling like you should um, silence yourself anymore. So I think that is the most important thing is knowing that there is a liberation to um, work towards and then figuring out who those people are going to be to support you and encourage you to move towards liberation. Mm, I love mm. this. I love this. Do you want to add something? Yeah. Alicia? Yeah. Yeah, so I I 100%, you know, ditto everything Rafaela said and just thinking about a lot of the fear 
and the shame that has been internalized, but just to like emphasize that a lot of that stuff was given to us externally, right? So totally. for so many generations, like being black in America, uh, being black in many colonized countries throughout the diaspora has meant survival, right? And has meant other people having control over our bodies economically, um, sexually, and even today, like where our bodies can and cannot move, how our bodies are policed, what neighborhoods our bodies are limited to living in, right? And so there's so many ways that we have externally been told that our black body is not allowed to do so many things. And there's been so many ways that other people have had more control over what our black bodies can and cannot experience, more control over us. And so I never take for granted the fact that like the work that we're doing, the freedom that we have to even have these conversations is very much for me and generationally, because I think about like the, like the people in my family just like a generation ago and that they did not have the space for this. They did not have the opportunity to think about this. Um, and so for us, this work feels so important because we're in like a lot of spaces where we're talking about what does it mean to have agency as a black person? What does it mean to have political, social and economic agency? But uh, but we're sitting here like, but we also need to reclaim agency over our bodies, like recognizing and remembering that like living in a white supremacist society means that we're in a system that is built and works off of exploitation of the black body. And so for us, reclaiming that body and and just reaffirming that our bodies are not something that we have to fear, despite the fact that like we're constantly getting messages about what it means to be a black person, that it, it's a dangerous body, that it's hypersexualized, that it's a deviant, that it's all of these other negative things that we can control our narrative and change our relationship to our body. And so we love this work because we love centering pleasure. We feel like so many of the conversations that come to black people is around surviving. Like even the conversations around sex ed is often like, don't get, don't have an unplanned pregnancy, don't right. get an STI, uh, don't be sexually assaulted, and like that's it. But no one's talking to us about the things that we get to experience, all of the pleasurable things and relationships that we should be moving towards and that we can have. And so then you find people who are just like suddenly for this black existence that is very um, survival based only, right? Like we're just like doing the bare minimum or like try, doing the most, but trying, to, like settling for the bare minimum, trying to just make it from day to day. Um, allowing negative things to happen to us because we just feel like this is what we deserve. This is what the world tells us we deserve as black people. And so really trying to emphasize that we deserve to thrive and not just survive. We deserve so much more. We deserve to um, feel pleasure and not just pain. And so we love this work because we love to create spaces where we're getting to talk about black joy, black freedom, black pleasure, our bodies, especially because we're oftentimes in spaces where we're talking about black trauma and black pain and black resistance. And so just wanting to or just feeling like such an honor to be able to hold space for people to have those conversations. This is so important. And and I love that you guys use this word liberation. And I think for some people, mm-hmm. they go like, well, what does that mean? You know, does that mean I'm be walking out here, having orgies, being crazy? Like, what, what, what? But <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> if you want to. And I, and I love that I feel like for, for you, as you just described this, like, and tell me if I got this right, liberation really is having the agency and freedom to do whatever the fuck we want yeah. with our bodies or is that how you guys really define liberation delicia uh yeah what i mean giving consent right so like your liberation does not mean that you can impede on someone else's liberation but just having having the freedom to decide for yourself right and to know that like if you're choosing to be celibate that you're choosing for yourself not because you were shamed into that choice not because you were forced into that choice if you're choosing to have an orgy that you're choosing that for yourself not because you feel like that's something you're supposed to do Mm -hmm. to be liked Right. And so creating space for people to define sexual liberation for themselves, because there is no one way. And once we start getting to that path of like liberation looks a certain way, that sounds like oppression to me. To be like, you have to be doing this thing to be liberated. That sounds like the same structures that have been limiting what we could do. So we don't we believe that like there's people who are who are asexual, who are celibate, who are kinky all of that and like in all of the all of those different forms you are, are allowed to define sexual liberation for yourself no one else could and should be defining that for you we just want you to have the information the access the resources the community that you need so that you can make figure out what that decision is for yourself what is it that works for you and your body this is so good and you know i think one of the points that you guys brought up was around 
how so often when we're talking about being black, we're talking about all these things to stay away from, no to yeah. the, the negative, quote unquote, things that are happening. And we're not giving as much space to just the fact that like we really in some ways are the first generation that have the opportunity to even sit here and be like, what do I want to do for pleasure? Yeah. You know, yeah. and like what a fucking opportunity and also responsibility that yeah. is for us to really take advantage of that and learn and grow and, and create space and our ways from that. So, so Rafaela, I wanted to ask you, like, what do you think are the biggest obstacles that are holding black people back from their own sexual liberation? I think one of the, the biggest things, and Delisha definitely touched on it, is uh, looking at our freedom as this idea that we are to kind of accept what we already have mm-hmm. and not being able to um, start imagining what more looks like what, and what that, what that is going to take, not only from ourselves, but from the people that are in our communities and the people that we interact with. Yeah. So a lot of times if you don't know, <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So um, just having having that space to to even consider that there is something else, that there's something more that you don't have to just stand for what was given to you um, and just be like, all right, well, this is this is the little bit of land that we had and this mm-hmm. is the job I'm allowed to have. So I should be happy. Um, you know, we're not enslaved anymore, so we should be happy. You know, I'm able to buy and, and, and live in this neighborhood. So we should be happy. Like there's all these things that the oppressor, of course, has given to folks and said, all right, so now you can be quiet and you have this little bit to be happy. We have to be able to think outside of that context and outside Mm -hmm. of those boxes so we can truly um, live a life that is not only just one to say, okay, we showed up, but how can we show out, you know? Yes. Um, Yes. Yes. Say that. (laughs) Show out, show out. Um, So yeah, I think that's that's one of the biggest things. And um, how that limits just imagination. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Delisha because Delisha has this beautiful thing that she. <laughs> I literally do not know what you're talking about. <laughs> I was about to say, I love that you guys know each other so well that you know what she's going to say, and you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I Delisha knows. Delisha knows. Delisha um, gave this beautiful talk, and she was saying how. Um, how we have to reimagine what our freedom looks like. Otherwise, we're going to continue to be oppressed and we're going to continue to be in this, place, this space that's really limited. Delisha, um, I want to hear all about this. Expand. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, there's several things. Where's she going with this? <laughs> um, yeah, so long story short, um, just looking at like other spaces. Okay, so long story we like Liberia, right? Liberia is a country founded by freed African American people who were formerly enslaved, who went to back to Africa to start over to reclaim land. And I am Liberian, so this is like also in my history. So a part of, but what ended up happening was that they literally created the same systems of oppression that they were leaving, fighting mm. from, right? Um, and so if you was an American descendant Liberian, you had access to better education, more wealth, like held political space, all that stuff. So we're oftentimes talking about if we don't start defining um, liberation and freedom for ourselves, we are if we don't get clear about what we want, right? A lot of our work, a lot of the work in activist spaces is like knowing what we don't want. We're, we know we don't want police officers like killing us. We know we, we're not happy with our justice system. We know we're not happy with sexual abuse that's happening in the community. We know we're not happy with the way that trans women of color are being treated in the fact that their life expectancy, average life expectancy is 35, right? So we're really clear on what we don't want, but we're not clear on what we want, right? And if we don't become clear on what we want, we will replicate all we know, right? And that is our oppressor's ways, right? And so when we're talking about sexuality, the reason we talk about pleasure, because we want to move towards this conversation of what is it that you want? Not just like, what are you trying to avoid? You're trying to avoid STIs, you're trying to avoid unplanned pregnancy, you're trying to avoid harm, yeah, but what is it that you want? What do you desire? And how do we move towards that? How do we move towards a life, um, a daily practice of like asking ourselves, what is it that I want? What is it that I want to eat? What is it that I want to wear? What is it that, who do I want to hang out with? What do I want to do with my time? Well, how do I want to feel in my body? Because that practice is helping us to get to a world based off of what we desire and what we want and not just what we're trying to avoid. Ooh. So the thing that we say is that like the absence of pain is not the presence of pleasure. And so 
that's why we love talking about pleasure. <laughs> Man, when I tell you, y'all just drop so many damn quotes. I just could just write them all down. I'm sure everybody listening is like taking out their phones, like trying to type them so fast. This is amazing. And, you know, I think as, I, as we're thinking about, you know, why we want to have this liberation, I'm wondering what more do we have to gain from our sexuality other than just pleasure? Because, I mean, some people are like, okay, pleasure. Yeah. But where else does sexuality fit into the picture of our lives? Yeah. Delisha, um, I'll let you start. Yeah. Yeah. So I know, like, even earlier we were like, oh, we, we, we have the privilege of getting to have these conversations that previous generations haven't had. But wanted to shout out our foremother, Audre Lord. Um, who wrote an amazing piece called The Use of the Erotic that is speaks exactly to that. So what she talks about is the erotic voice, and we oftentimes talk about the erotic voice. So the erotic voice is this voice within us that tells us about the things that we desire in life, right? So we're not just talking about sexually. We're just talking like the, things, the kind of career you desire, what kind of activities you want to desire. But from a really young age, a lot of us are taught to ignore that voice within us, right? Like if you start saying like, oh, I don't want to eat this. Like your inner voice is telling you, I don't want to eat this. Like your family is like, you need to eat this and finish your food. Yeah, eat it all or you're about to get a whooping. If you right. don't finish all that broccoli, I'm about to whoop your ass. That's what That's, I used to get in my right. house all the time. <laughs> right. If your erotic voice, if your voice is like, I actually don't want to hug that auntie or uncle. Like I'm just not cool with it. And then your family is like, you need to respect your elders and go over there and give them a hug and a kiss, right? So from a really young age, we're taught to ignore that inner voice within us. Even when we think about like our the dreams that we have for our careers, there's so many of us who were told that like that's not realistic, that's not going to make you money, you don't need to pursue that. So there's all these ways that we're taught to quiet the inner voice within us that tells us, that will guide us towards this life that is full, a life that is full of what we desire. And so when we're talking about um, sexual liberation and pleasure, we're also like strengthening that muscle within us, that voice within us, that voice that has the power to say like, I do want this. Actually, I don't want that. And I want more of this. And I'm going to ask for this. And I'm not going to settle for this. And so we've seen it like inspire. I mean, we've seen like this erotic voice inspire like so much of our life. Like I quit my full time job, right? Because I was just like, this actually doesn't bring me pleasure. And I'm just here for this paycheck. And I know I can do like so much more and do something that is so fulfilling and makes me feel full right we have been doing a lot of work around boundaries and we had to end some friendships where we're like actually this friendship isn't fulfilling it actually feels really bad at the end of it right there were certain practices that were like why do we keep spending our time doing this and then there were certain things that I was like why don't I do more of this like we have been talking a lot about playing and we were just like why did we stop playing when we became adults like Let's go out there and like play laser tag. Let's go out there and play freeze tag. Let's do puzzles. Let's go get bubbles. Let's let's ride bikes. Let's do the things that make us feel pleasure and joy. And so it has led to like a much more full life where I where we feel empowered to know the things that we like and also to be really clear on the things we don't like. And there's such a there's such a knowledge, a self-knowledge and awareness and trust with yourself when you're when you learn again to like be in relationship with that erotic voice within you that you've been taught to ignore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rafaela, you know I'm about to turn it to you now. So the same, yes. the same really way, like what do you really feel like we have to gain from our sexual mm-hmm. liberation? Outside of just well, before the that, piece. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, before that, um, I really just want to take a pause to emphasize the importance of the erotic voice and also to expand so people know that we're not just talking about a sexual voice. The erotic voice is your power. That is where everything derives from. That is your yes, that's your no, that's your today, maybe tomorrow, that's not right now, that's more, that's less. That is yes to family and friends, no, I'm about to be by myself to chill and and tune in. So a lot of times people get turned off um, because they may not identify fully as someone who is engaging with in sexual behaviors with others. And they think that the sexual liberation movement is not for them because of that. Or again, like Delisha was saying, like, oh, I don't want to have orgies and all this other stuff. That's not what we're talking about. Um, So to be really clear that this erotic voice is linked to empowerment and liberation in that it is what is going to um, build your confidence and your strength and maybe your sexiness and how you relate to yourself, your Mm -hmm. ability to love yourself and love one another, 
And it just reminds me sometimes when we talk about sex education with children and parents are like, no, we're not going to do that because, you know, my kids don't need to know about, um, you know, pregnancy or um, they're too young. They're not kissing and all that other stuff. But when we're talking about our body and being sexual beings, we're also teaching people about agency and consent and how to have these conversations um, with your kids and how they can show that with their loved ones and how you can support them and tell other loved folks that, um, no, my kid doesn't want to kiss you or hug you. So we do daps or like whatever. Or my kid doesn't have to share their toy right now. Your kid needs to know how to ask for their toy better so that they don't feel like they have to be forced to do anything they don't want to do. So I just really wanted to to stop and say that because I think sometimes people just can't relate yeah. because maybe it's not explicitly said in that way. But just remember your erotic voice is not just about your sexual voice, your sexual powers explicitly with having sex with other people or even yourself, it's about empowerment in general and how can you use that voice, that acknowledgement and that awareness of yourself to empower yourself and to strengthen your relationships with other folks. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, and, and, and when you're talking about this, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about, two things actually, one is my sister has been doing an amazing job with my niece at this. And it's been such an interesting interesting thing to watch in our family. Like, if my niece doesn't want to talk to someone on the phone, my sister's like, she doesn't have to. Or she walk into a family party, she, my sister isn't going, hug so-and-so. Because she's like, I'm not teaching her that she has to give up her body just because mm-hmm, she's right. supposed to hug whoever, this person that she don't even know or care about if she doesn't want to. And she's old enough to say she doesn't want to. You know, I'm not going to force her to do that. And I'm the same. And I was just like, yes, because this is undoing, like you said, that oppression that has been on us in these little ways. And that's how we end up passing it down in these ways through our children, you know. And the other thing, I remember seeing this post on Instagram. And, I, God, I wish I had the exact words in front of me, but you guys probably saw it. It was during Pride Month this past June. And there was this post going on Instagram where somebody was like, I'm not against Pride, but quit teaching my kids about sex. And I was like, I was like, hold on a second. Like, number one, wouldn't you want your kids to know about sex? Number two, they out here doing it anyways, and y'all afraid to have a conversation with them because I know what I was doing when I was nine. You know what I mean? Like, out there on the playground. And so, like, I think the, the part that you're talking about of us looking at some of the ways that we were, I would say, disempowered by yeah. our erotic voice and not repeating that anymore, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. is so important in terms of the way that we're going to change generationally. Um, so, yeah, I just want to thank you guys for offering yeah. that piece up. And and just like to practice, you know, the compassion for ourselves and with others, because understanding that this is no one's told. A lot of people have not told us this before. Right. right? And that we also live within a system that is built on us ignoring what we desire, right? Because if we start actually talking about living the lives that we want, living our most pleasurable lives, it puts an energy in us to actually ask for more from our government to say that this relationship that we're in as like government leaders and people is not pleasurable. It's actually pretty oppressive. We want something different. And like that, like that questioning of like, is this the kind of system that I want to be living in? Is this uh, justice system actually working for us? Is all of this like, that's not what they want us doing. Right. So there's everything like coming at us from the time we are little telling us to ignore the things that we desire in life, the things that we imagine, the things that we want to have and experience. And so a lot of our parents, a lot of times, even with us, we're like, we're just replicating what we know. Like no one's told us anything differently. Um, and so we're really like, shout out to your sister, shout out to all the people who are out here raising like <laughs> sex positive beings. Like we always say that so much of our work is like unlearning so much stuff that we learned throughout childhood. So if we could just like work with the children, then we wouldn't have to do this like 20, 30 years later, <laughs> right, right. make our work so much easier. So shout out to everyone who's doing that. Cause it's not easy. It's because then people come at you, like you're raising your kids to be rude. And it's like, no, to be disrespectful. Like, yeah. yeah. They're raising yeah. my kids to like trust themselves in their own instinct and to know what they want and don't want and not to feel like they have to do something because somebody else is telling them to do it. Right. Exactly. And for no reason. It's like, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Raphael. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, and let's just be clear, like when we're talking about oppression, we are talking about fear. And often when mm-hmm. we are linking the two, the conversation is about the fear that oppressed people have um, in regards to those in power. But the reason why people are oppressed is because those who want to be in power are in fear of losing that power 
thus being in fear of the people they are oppressing. And we know that in terms of blackness, right, and how desirable it is, but not desirable at the same time, right? Mm. And um, what it means for us to, to really have that knowledge that we are powerful and that we deserve more, how um, frightened people do become of people, of, of black folks um, being aware of that. So I think it's really important to remember that and also understand um, you know, why parents, black parents specifically parented the way that, that they did um, decades, yeah. generations ago, because again, a fear of making sure that their child um, or their partner or themselves weren't going to be um, beaten or killed, right. Right. whatever the case is. So it, it, it comes out of a, a largely a fear base. If you're different, if you stand out, yeah. then I risk losing you forever, right? Um, so that has definitely just trickled down and though we're in a society where, you, you know, being killed by vigilantes, by cops, by just people who are afraid or just racist is not over. There are other things that, that we don't have to fear anymore. But I think those behaviors are just so instilled with us that it's so yeah. normalized and we're looked at as being different if we don't spank our kids or if we talk to our kids instead of yelling at them or if we try to hear their voice and empower them. It's like mm. relinquishing too much power because if that child uses it in the wrong way, they can be arrested. They can be killed. So yeah, um, I think that's that's the fear behind it. And that's just more conversations we have to have to try to decrease that and, and um, also just support one another because so often people are out there alone and they don't have anyone to... Um, to bear witness to their troubles, whatever they're going through. So I think uh, a lot of, I mean, I, I, I know that's what is backing it. And then, of course, like just general fear of people being different and just being taught that things are sinful, you know, versus other things not being sinful, which is making people feel like it's okay to discriminate and be prejudiced against one another. Yeah. But a lot of it is by that fear um, that we just, we haven't yet learned to, to let it go of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that, uh, God, it's just amazing as you guys are talking about this, that this has it goes even deeper than we think. It's like micro yeah. and macro in both ways yeah. around like I love this distinction between the erotic voice is that voice of desire and mm-hmm. how we've really shut down as black people or we've been taught to shut down from a very young age that voice of desire within us. And so using practices or tools or experiences to wake up that voice of pleasure and desire within us will then like kind of reverberate through all these different areas of our lives so that we can start to name and claim and experience the things that we really want. Yeah. You got Mm. it. I got it. Yes. Okay. I'm like, I got it. So I have to tell you guys, I have to tell you guys, I've been waiting. I didn't tell you this before the episode, but I have to tell you guys that this last year has been one of the most, like life-changing years for me as it comes to like my own sexual liberation in a way that like most people wouldn't expect. And people who are listening to this podcast or I've listened before may know this story um, because I did an episode called Celibacy and Sobriety because for the last Mm -hmm. year, it's 11 months now, actually this week, um, I signed a book deal last year. and, And as I was in that process, one of my spiritual teachers was like, you need to redirect all your sexual energy towards mm. this project. And when I say mm. all of it, I mean all of it. Mm. And I was like, what? And she was like, this book can change the trajectory of the next 10 years of your life. And it needs all your creative energy because creativity and sexuality, it all comes from the same place, right? And and so I talked about this a lot in that episode And so over the last 11 months, I've been celibate, but she even encouraged me. She was like, I don't even want you using the word celibate, even though you are, because that that is like it has this internal connotation of restriction. She was like, what I want for you is an amplification of your sexual energy, but it all moving inward you know, towards yourself and towards and you being able to direct it towards what you want to direct it towards. And so these last 11 months for me have been like so life changing because I think for the first time um, I feel like I have agency of and over my sexual energy versus me being reactive to everything that comes at me as like a stimulus. You know what I mean? And knowing how to work it and what to do with it and how to use it for my creativity. And I was super inspired when I looked on your guys' website that you had this amazing workbook called Solo Sex. 
and mm. you know talking about how you know you believe that the most important sexual relationship that we ever have is the one that we have with ourselves and so I was wondering if um, Rafaela we can you know start with you if you guys want to expand on some of that on on maybe starting with a couple tools or practices or techniques or anything that people can start to use to open up and liberate and build up that sexual relationship with self first. Mm. Absolutely. So in line with what you just said, one of uh, the first tips, tools, tidbits, technique, whatever you want to call it, um, that we suggest to people is to get in touch with yourself by touching yourself. So that can be masturbation. Um, and for folks who may not identify as sexual or who, who just haven't gotten to that point or don't have an interest in that, you can get in touch with yourself in so many different ways. But the highlight of the conversation regarding solo sex and masturbation is how empowering it can be. Mm-hmm. How loving on yourself in that way um, is in a direct affront to all the messages that say that you're not desirable, that you don't have the right body type, um, that you're too much, that you know you should hide yourself and make yourself small. Just opening yourself up to the idea that, in spite of what, in spite of the message that I should be even desirable to someone else, how can I be desirable to myself? How can I love on myself because that's what I deserve, and that is the one relationship again that is the most important. So. I think a lot of people have had very transformative um, experiences when they really take the time to be intentional with their masturbation practice and even calling it a masturbation practice, right? It's not like, oh, you know, I'm single and I'm horny, so let me just rub this and get this out of the way so I can go to sleep. Like, how can you use this time to really affirm yourself to say, you know, I'm going to light some candles, right? I'm going to get my favorite type of material, play some nice music, you know, maybe put on a little something sexy, or I'm just going to stare at myself in the mirror because I deserve that. And all of that takes time. So in itself, with you taking the time to set up this, this period for yourself to explore or just to enjoy yourself, you are reinforcing the idea that you deserve this time, right? Instead of just rolling over on your stomach and or on your back, whatever, and just doing something for, you know, you... You, it's your hand, so you know it may only take you a couple seconds, may take you a couple minutes, whatever. But instead of it being like this quick fix and just get it done, like how can you um, prolong that experience again to just reinforce that it is what you deserve? Um, mm. So I think that's one of the biggest things is just to get in there and get familiar with yourself. And again, if that's not your cup of tea, that's fine because there's so many other ways to enjoy your body. Um, it could be eating in certain ways. It could be slowing down when you're lotioning your body and just, you know, massaging yourself. It could be dressing in ways that feel good to you, right? And that could be tight. That could be loose. It could be bright colors or whatever the case is. That could be, you know, the spaces that you actually find yourselves in and you allow yourself in or the people that you're around around that the people that you allow around you for certain periods of time. So just being in tune with yourself looks like so many different things. And it's really critical that we get very curious and we start to interrogate what that looks like and feels like for us. Because then once we have that knowledge of self, um, we can, we can be more empowered to demand that or expect that from other people. But if we don't know that, then how can we tell others what mm. we will or we're not stand for? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Delisha, I can see you ready already to speak. Go ahead. What you got? What you got? <laughs> uh, well, first, congratulations on your 11 months. I mean, the practice that your um, instructor told you about is like an ancient practice, like yeah. sublimation, right? Where a lot of people redirect their sexual energy towards creative efforts, or or even a lot of people who were who were athletes will do that in a time when they have like a big thing to prepare for. Um, so that level of intention and dedication and practice that you need to like practice that is the same level of intention and dedication that you're going to, that you, that we're asking people to put towards um, their relationship with themselves and their relationships with other people when they're being sexual. Right. Like it takes, it takes a lot of work to like say for 11 months, I'm not going to do this. Right. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of work in saying like, I'm going to choose to be sexual um and practice it which we're not oftentimes told that we're told that like sex is like this um this thing that like everyone just does and everyone knows how to do it and like it's it's more so like singing like it takes practice right like not everyone just wakes up and knows how to do it like it takes intention and so people are like oh if i don't have fireworks like it's over i'm like no everyone's body is different it takes a level of openness and communication and exploration to get to know what your body likes, what other people's bodies likes, and to to work towards that. Um, 
so I do love this question. Solo sex is our favorite thing, right? <laughs> <'Cause I> think, <laughs> we always talk about sex with partners. And for me, like as someone who was socialized and raised as a woman, like I was always told that like sex was for my partner, was for my pursued, assumed hetero male partner, that it was for them. And so solo sex was like the one of the first times where I was like, oh my gosh, I can like give this to myself. Like I don't have to depend on somebody else for pleasure. Like I actually know what I want and I can do this. Um, so some of the practices that we like to tell people about, one is, I mean, in addition to everything Rafaela mentioned, because ditto, um, but some of the ones that we talk about is called like sensual living. And so tuning into your five senses or however many senses you have access to. Um, and so starting to ask yourself, what are the things that you enjoy when it comes to your senses? So what smells do you like? Which people always like smells. That's weird, right? But like, I love the smell of jasmine. I love the smell of sandalwood, right? Like, there's certain, like, there's just certain fragrances that I really love. Like, even when people put out perfumes, like, what smells do you like? There you go. <laughs> I got my, I'm showing her, I got my rose essential oil right here, and I rubbed it all over my body before we started. Yeah. It's important scent, yeah. Yeah. Some people like the smell of weed, like, whatever. What smells do you like? Um, what taste do you like? Like, red wine, chocolate, whatever. Um, what touches, like, what things do you like to touch? So when you look at your space, do you, if you're a textured person, do you have things that are soft or feathery? Do you want to wear something on your body that feels um, very tight and clean or very free and open? And so just tapping into all of our senses, what sounds do you like? Can you create playlists for different moods you want to be in? Because we think that like people, we spend so much of our day turned off, like just like tapped out of our body, not engaged with our body, not checking in. And then we like, try to be these sexual people and we expect to like like immediately turn on and it's like you've been turned off all day you've been disengaged from your body all day so how can you create spaces for yourself whether you're at home whether you're at work whether you're driving home in your car for you to be for your body to be turned on and not turn on in this erotic sense but turn on in the sense of like alert and engaged and alive and like wanting to be there so um for me it's like the important practice of carrying around um, cotton balls that have like lavender on them so I can like smell them throughout my day if I want to right so how do you really tap into that um another thing that we encourage people to do is just to like say yes to yourself more like make a list of, mm. of like your top 10 things that you enjoy doing and think about when the last time you did it like and how can you carve out time for yourself to say yes my mantra of last year was like I'm saying no to others so I can say yes to myself amen um, was really helpful in me because it's so easy to be like, oh, I want to go bike riding, but I'm just going to overschedule that to do something for somebody else instead of carving out that time for you to like honor the things that you want to do more of. And so like just the practice of saying yes to yourself also strengthens your erotic voice because your erotic voice, which could sometimes be really quiet, can be like, oh, it's listening. It's listening. And then it gets louder and louder and louder as you like say yes and do those things more and more. Um, and then, like, like similar to what um, Rafaela was saying, like, masturbation, like, and I think when we think about masturbation, we think of something that's just, like, quick. Um, we only focus on our genitals. But, like, solo sex, the same way as if you were having sex with your partner, it's, like, exploring all parts of you, all, all of your pleasure zones, right? For some people, our nipples are very sensitive and erotic. For some people, like, our feet, whatever, like, get a feather and play with your toes. <laughs> like, do a sexy dance for yourself. Um, do things that, like, like spend time, like make an entire ritual out of making love to yourself and exploring yourself. And then we also talk about like pleasure practices. So just what are your, what are your things that you're like, this is my thing. I love doing it. For me, it's twerking. Like I love twerking. That is my pleasure practice. If I'm, if I'm having a stressful day, if I need to celebrate, if I'm feeling anxious, I'm like, okay, pleasure practice break. Like, let's just go and twerk. That's right? so great <laughs> that you love your pleasure practices twerking. I love it. Yes. For some people, their pleasure practice is like, being naked more for some people it is masturbating but just like what are your your things that you know like this makes me feel good maybe it's a song that you like to dance to and you just like i'm having one of those days i need to put on that playlist and like have a moment of pleasure and like how can you increase that in your life because some people are like i don't have time for pleasure i don't have time for this but like even if you're like how can i carve out 10 minutes for me to like listen to to dance to like three songs that i like and let that be my pleasure. It makes such a huge it. impact because it really yeah. ripples throughout your it ripples through your whole life in ways that you can't even. It's not like a linear thing, you yeah. know. So it's so important. Yeah. Oh, okay. Do you do you guys have? So I don't want to like I know people want as many tips from you as they can get. So I don't want to cut off your tips. Did you guys have any more like specific tips to share that people can actually implement into their life? I was gonna add kind of two points. I don't know. Just work with me here. Just Go we'll for see it. how yeah. this comes out. One point five. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so one is like thinking about masturbation and meditation and, and thinking about more about what meditation can look like and feel like for you. So often people are just like, I can't meditate. I can't just sit there and not think of anything, but that's not really what meditation is or has to be. So how can you, um, do a meditation that is about your breathing. And if you want to get sexual, how can be about orgasmic breathing and incorporating mm -hmm. with meditate uh, with masturbation? How can your meditation practice be about observing yourself and what you're feeling and how you're thinking and how that is impacting what you're doing in your behaviors? And then how can it be just, again, like tuning into your senses? Because when you start to get grounded, that is a form of self and meditation. So just really expanding on um, what you're, idea is of something and doing a little bit more research so you can again get curious and complicate that definition a little bit more to something that's more fitting to you I think is really really important and second your team the people you surround yourself yeah. around with so you may need to switch that up okay so Amen. if you find, and and that's all right sometimes people don't make and not everyone makes the team you got your practice <laughs> <laughs> you do your run backs okay I don't know a lot of sport analogies but anyway <laughs> She said you do um, your run backs. I was like, what's a run back? Oh. <laughs> it sounds good, though. It sounds good. So, um, but I'm just thinking about how often we get stuck because we may be around people who are not interested in the same things, which is okay. But instead of feeling like you have to force your friends to do things that they're not down with, how can you just find, find a new circle? How can you find um, new people to kick it with? So if it's like, you know, none of my friends want to go hiking or rock climbing, maybe I'll make friends when I actually go do that thing. So you can just expound on meeting more people and um, inviting people to do things. So if you feel like, oh, I never have time to do this thing that I love because I'm always hanging out with my friends, maybe you can invite them to say, oh, you know, I was going to be busy at seven working out or I was going to be doing this thing. Do you want to come with me? So that way you can still get that 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 need met. You can spend quality time and then maybe you'll put your friend on to something else. So I think, you know, we just have to get really creative about um, time management and how not to feel like, you know, we're missing out on things that we really want to do, people want to spend time with, and how can we combine all of that stuff together. So I just wanted to, yeah. to add that. Cause that's something personally I've been trying to do. Like, oh, I mean, I want to do this. Like, my friends want to work out with me because I don't want to cut that out, but I do want to hang with you. So you want to you wanna go you hit this come? post studio or do you want to go? <laughs> right. Do you want to come? Um, so, Yeah. And I think, like, to add on to, like, just thinking about friend group, like, I feel like the number one, <laughs> the number one feedback or thing that I love to talk about is just, like, communication. Communication. Like, talk. Talk to your friends. Talk to your partner. The thing that it feels the most heartbreaking for me, and, I mean, there's so much heartbreak and stuff when you're talking to people about sexual experiences and their sexual journey. But one thing that, that just always hurts me is when someone says, I thought I was the only one. Mm -hmm. There's so much stuff that people are going through that as like educators, we know is like so common. Like it's a part of like almost everyone's experiences. And when I hear people say, I thought I was the only one, I'm like, you have been sitting with like, carrying that weight for so long. Like that is heartbreaking. So I think we just need to have more open and honest and vulnerable conversations around sex around pleasure around our bodies around like our self-esteem around our body image like all of these things because we are are holding in so much stuff internally and that's causing us to feel very shameful and there's also so many people who we talk to who are like oh I can never say to my partner that I want to have sex outside the bedroom right and I'm just like Say it to your partner. You might get your fantasy met tonight. Like, go, you know, <laughs> like they might be wanting to have you in the kitchen too. Like, we could all be exactly. good. But there's so many people who are just like, oh, I can never say that, or I thought I was the only one. We internalize shame, and so one of the the quickest ways to work through that shame is just to like realize that, like, just to say it out loud, and to like realize that other people also share that experience and that desire. Uh, instead of holding it within. And so the more that we can talk about it, and that's what we're doing on Afrosexology, just creating space. Like our workshops is never us lecturing people. It's us creating space for us to have the conversations because we believe that people have the knowledge and the information that they that they need for their own journey. We just don't have the space to actually talk about it. And so it's, yeah. it's very rare that we get to be around people where we get to like say, the, say out loud our sexual fantasies and not feel shamed for it. And so that in itself is like, we just see like people's, like their body expressions just change when they say something and people are like, yeah, you better go do that. And they're like, Oh, I can do this. Like yep. I can say that. Like, Oh, I also like 
hide my body during sex. Like that's not just a thing that, you know, and that we can like start talking about how to work through that. And so just communication. And we love our workshops and we're working with parents and their little ones to open up communication because it's just, it's so beautiful to think about how they're building those healthy practices because a lot of us were just not taught how to communicate in a very healthy loving and open and vulnerable way and so we uh, love it yeah no and you know this the i think we know everybody listening to this knows like i feel like one of the things other than like politics and money that we're taught in like the black household that you do not discuss is sex you know yeah. and so like we have this thing sometimes even amongst our friends where i feel like we will if if we're talking about sex it's in like a joking or like yeah. oh girl he blah 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 you know kind of a yeah. way but not like a conscious conversation and an intimate vulnerable really conversation yeah. around our sexual experiences and that's why this space that we're creating is so important and what's really interesting is when i'm in spaces like around just my white friends i'll just say for example these conversations are they're having them all the time you yeah. know, like all the time, not everyone, I'm not making a blanket statement, but they're happening much more easily and much more frequently because they don't have the same history around this as we do and the same yeah. internalization around it. And so this is so important and I'm so grateful that you guys are creating this opening. Now, I know we're cutting close on time, but Rafaela, <laughs> I have to ask you because you threw something in here that I know people listen. They're like, well, what is that? Orgasmic breathing. Can you talk to us a little bit about this orgasmic breathing? How do we do it? I have a little, about a couple hours after I get off this podcast. <laughs> so give me, you know, give us the tea. <laughs> yes. Um, so orgasmic breathing is... <sighs> See, just right there. I just gave you a little taste. I gave you a little taste. Um, but yes, this is something I really encourage because I find, um, I do a lot of work with folks who've experienced, um, unwanted sexual, sexual encounters, trauma and things like that. And often folks who, um, feel silent, who feel small, who are unsure about their next steps, who feel like they have to be cautious, hold their breath. Right. Um, and so Often, a lot of times during sex, we find ourselves um, breathing in certain ways that's not really promoting a pleasurable experience, and, and it's just kind of leaving us gasping for air and not in the way where it's like that pleasurable way. So I really encourage people to be mindful of truly taking um, deeper breaths while they are engaging in solo sex or partnered sex because it can um, increase the, you know, the blood flow and the stimulation and just give you that powerful release and increase sensation and things like that. So it can look like a, a lot of different things and depending on your body, you know, you have to figure out a flow that works best for you. So if you have asthma, if you have some type of lung condition, um, anything like that, um, but it is truly about slowing down, not holding your breath, letting go, and even doing heavy breathing where it's not so much um, in your nose, but really like doing a heavy sigh and just <sighs> like that. Um, and it can really, really intensify the way that you experience pleasure and orgasm. So yeah. you can do like different counts, like in and out for a count of three to five. Again, you just have to play with it to see what feels good to you. Because, um, you know, this, there's no liability here, all right? So don't be trying to hold your breath for 16 seconds or something. Don't yeah. come for me. You have to figure <laughs> out what works best for you. But the whole purpose is truly to um, to be intentional about your breathing and slowing down. Maybe it would be better for folks to practice this as part of their meditation and then as part of masturbation and then with a the partner. But, yes, yeah, so just orgasmic breathing, slowing down, being intentional, being uh, conscious of what you're doing how it feels to you, and then just being able to release. Yeah, I remember, so I learned a little bit when I was doing kind of these tantric practices when I started mm -hmm. my celibacy period around some breathing stuff. And one of the practices that I got was to like take these, to keep consciously taking like super deep breaths the whole time I was self-pleasuring during that practice. And especially at the point of like reaching orgasm, because when we do that, we usually hold our breath right there at yeah. the end, you know, and that like tension builds up. So like to practice actually breathing deeply when you orgasm is such a game changer because it's like it yeah. moves through your body differently when you do that. Yeah. You know, and I just want to thank you guys actually for 
talking about creating these experiences for yourself because and giving that real self-love, self-care time for yourself that we sometimes wish a partner would surprise yeah. us with or create for us, <laughs> you know, which it rarely seldom happens for most of us, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so, but like I, you know, when I started during the celibacy phase, I, I just started studying all these different things and like the mirror work was like one of the most healing healing experiences and most confronting fucking experiences in my life to like watch the parts of my body that I was even hiding from myself so I didn't see you know and then like and then giving those parts of my body love instead and self-pleasuring and and making it like a whole moment with candles and oils and now I'm over here like I don't I don't really need unless you're about to come through with like something (laughs) real good like you know, we're good over here. That is so, so powerful. And I, I was, I said this to Delisha at one of our recent events, but I was doing some mirror magic, some mirror love. And I was like, you know what? Clothes is the things that's really ruining, you know, my perception of my body. Because when you wear things that fit a certain way, you know, something may pop out or roll over, you got to suck in. But when you're just fully naked and you're enjoying yourself, in the mirror, everything is just smooth. Everything's just, gravity's doing its thing. Everything looks the way it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. And I was falling in love with the way that I looked in the mirror and I was dreading putting on clothes. But, you know, we know <laughs> that society where we just walk around like that, so. Yeah, it's so empowering. I remember, I remember very specifically after, like, several times, there was this one time and I was, like, so turned on. And I was having this whole moment where I was just, like, I wanted to, like, jump through the mirror and grab myself. <laughs> And I was like, and it was so funny because I looked at myself, I was like, nigga, you fine. Like, and I was like, and I remember, but I had never, I had never had that experience with myself until that moment to like the way that we sometimes will look at a partner or look at someone else and be like, oh my God, oh my God. Like I had that experience for myself and that was like healing on a cellular level yeah. you know and and it's not instant you know maybe one time you have that experience and another time you're like oh you know it, like you have to work through some stuff so yeah. I just encourage people to really do that for themselves and not just make it a one-off thing but it can really change the way that you experience your body experience the world experience yourself and and most important not even most importantly but also like how your pleasure and your desire seeps out into all these different domains in my life because I can tell y'all this last 11 months like I am a completely different person on the other side of this, like as a creative person, as a spiritual person, as a sexual person. And like it would not have happened without me like really engaging in these self-pleasure uh, practices and moments like mm. like our ladies talked to us about today. So I know we're at our time. We did a little longer of an episode than we normally do. But I know if I was as into it as I was, I know everybody else is appreciating it. <laughs> so I thank you ladies for spending the extra time and for people who are looking to uh, find Afrosexology online. I know many of you probably follow them on Instagram. It's Afrosexology with an underscore at the end. We'll have all the links in the show notes. And is there anything else that you guys want people to know about or they what they should look up or find you on at all? We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Our website's Afrosexology. Can you believe nobody had the name? So we have Afrosexology everything. We're <laughs> <laughs> everywhere. Um, we have lots of great, like, resources like the solo sex workbook and a lot of different worksheets to help you work through and explore your sexuality we have like sex positive merch if you want to flaunt that uh, we have blog posts that answer a lot of people's questions and so there's a lot of things just go out there and explore yeah it's amazing thank you so 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 much for for being with me and being with us today and for those of you listening i just want to thank you for taking the time out of your day and your life to do something that was good for you and i hope now your next move is that you mark your calendar to pleasure yourself yes do it oh, absolutely oh. thank you so much for having us this was a beautiful conversation thank, thank you. you thank you everybody this has been justin michael williams and the ladies of afrosexology and i will talk to you in the next episode. Bye for now.